back, everybody, to the Everybody Counts podcast. This is our first episode of 2019, and we're kicking it off with our inaugural book club podcast episode. And we're going to be discussing Michael Conley's Dark Sacred Night, which joins Harry Bosch and Renee Ballard in this novel uh, for the first time. And we have some super fans on that love the books, love the show. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then we're going to um, hear a little bit from Mitzi Roberts, who is an RHD detective, and the book character Renee Ballard, Ballard was um, inspired, or is inspired, by Mitzi. So we'll um, hear from her in just a second. So, um, Anne, why don't you kick us off? Just tell us um, maybe just briefly how you started enjoying the show and the books, and, and we want to know how you consume the books. Do you read a print copy? Do you use Audible? What, what's your choice? Well, I am a longtime reader of Michael Connolly's books. I've been reading his books, gosh, for years and years. And so I was already a big Bosch fan, but book Harry, not obviously mm-hmm. film Harry. Okay. And um, I, so I, and I kind of came to the show late because I didn't have Amazon Prime, but anyway, I um, I love really prefer to read books in hand. Okay. Um, but when I started rereading all the books, I went back to the beginning and read them all. I did it did most of them on an e-reader because it was just so easy to load them, and then mm-hmm. I had had them at any moment when I wanted to read. Okay, perfect. How about you, Sharon? Um, honestly, totally opposite. I had never heard of the show, really, or the books. Um, and I think, Tracy, I saw one of your articles, maybe it was, maybe the write-up for season two or season three, your FanFest article. And I saw that, and I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And then <laughs> after I watched the show, of course, loved it. But then I'm like, oh, wait, there's books. And yeah. so I've, I haven't, I think I've read ugh, maybe six or seven of them at this point. Um, for the most part, I love doing Audible because, Especially the ones that Todd Swallow narrates, um, <laughs> but actually for the Ballard ones, I've I've just had them on the e-reader. Again, it's simple. It's a little bit cheaper too. So. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I um, started actually. Uh, this is Tracy, of course. I started reading um, the novel when I saw the Lincoln Lawyer movie. I I I knew who Mickey Holler was before I knew who Harry Bosch was. <laughs> And that got me started, but then with the connection of the two um, in the series, I wanted more. So then I got into the Harry Bosch novels, and, uh, you know, you just go from there. It's just amazing. And then when I heard that Amazon was considering, you know, a pilot uh, based on the series, I was a go for sure and um, have been on board ever since. And I um, have read some in print. I I like to do that. I end up doing a lot on Audible um, just because of time. Um, I can multitask, um, but the first Ballard book I did read in print, and then the second one that we're going to be discussing tonight um, I did on Audible. So um, I'm, I'm like, however I can get that content, I will take it. So. <laughs> now, uh, for you, Mitzi, um, obviously I would assume you get some advanced copies and some consultation and all that good stuff, but just in general, do you do you like to you like to read and what's your format of choice? Yeah, I'm a huge reader and um obviously before I even met Michael and 
um, became a consultant on his books. I uh, I was a fan, and I think my first Connolly book was probably uh, was probably the Lincoln Lawyer also. And uh, okay. I've read most, but I've read most, but not all. But yeah, mm-hmm. now um, now I consider myself lucky. I get the, uh, <laughs> usually the first seventy five pages. Michael send us the the first seventy five pages to make sure he's kind of on the right track with um, at least um, law enforcement wise and making not making any mistakes that's going to end up, you know, costing him 300 pages down the line. But, okay. um, and then, and then we'll get the, uh, the, the pre-production um, draft and, and we do a once over on that and then, and then we get the book. But uh, I prefer to read a paper book. Um, I'm an <laughs> avid reader. I, I really like, just to hold a book and to to earmark the pages and stuff, yeah. but I have to I have to admit it's 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 you know it's so much easier with an e-reader. So I do have one, and it's just so easy because when you yeah. wanna when you hear about something, you wanna read something, you know, it's so easy to just go buy it and and dive into it. So sure. Um, so I have both. There's a lot to be said about convenience. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. okay, we're going to kick off with just a couple of direct questions to you, Betsy, before, and then we'll get into the roundtable of just different topics about the storyline. But we were curious, did you and Michael discuss the idea of him publicly revealing you as the inspiration from, for Renee? Uh, you know, um, it's funny because Michael and I have a, a different memory of that. Michael um, <laughs> could have could, swore that we had that discussion and um, – <laughs> I actually, um, I actually learned about it. My my partner at work, who you've had on the show and you've met, uh, yeah. Tim Marsha, um, yeah. he um, he texted me one day and he's like, "Oh, you got to listen to this this interview. Michael's being interviewed on a. I think it was a podcast, and okay. I listened to it. And about halfway through, they start talking about his 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 new book, The Late Show, which I knew about The Late Show. We had talked about. Um, the idea for it and the female detective, mm-hmm. but then he started going into the inspiration, and then he threw me out there, and I was like, "What?" And so um, that's yeah, that's how. And obviously, um, extremely humbled and 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 just thrilled, and 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 it was all that. But yeah, that's when I first. And it's funny because just like I, I want to say two or three months ago, at one of my um, book signings. I, uh-huh. I told that story. I told that story. He looked at me and he goes, "What?" He's like, "I didn't. I didn't talk to you about this." And I said, "No, you didn't." That is a great story. Fortunately, it all worked, worked out well for everyone. <laughs> yeah, story. for sure. Um, yeah. Just a, a small curiosity. Uh, did you have any input on Lola's name, of Renee's dog's name? So I did not have. Uh, input on the on the name, but I did have input on actually um, having a Lola or um, Ballard having a dog. We were okay. um, I had read those first 75 pages that I spoke of, and mm-hmm. you know here's this single woman, even though she's a you know a badass cop, but she's living on the beach in a tent. And mm-hmm. I and I said and I said in my mind, would I still safe you know doing that? Yeah. Um, and and uh, I thought I wouldn't, but um, I probably would if, if my if my dog was with me. I have Dobermans, but I was okay. like I probably would if if my dog was with me. 
And then yeah. I remembered when when I when I used to surf, I remembered um, seeing this guy that came to the beach and he had a beautiful pit bull with him and he had all his gear and he set down all his gear and he put his dog like in a sit stay and the dog just stayed there and watched him the whole time while he was out there surfing. So I I wrote that to Michael and I wrote the story uh-huh. about the guy I saw and uh, and that you know that became the idea. Mike's like oh, I don't know if I can work. You know a dog is a big responsibility and and we went back and forth but but. Uh, Okay, Dad. But, but yeah, but uh, I I think uh, Mike I think Mike uh, he, he him and his wife Linda they they've had pit bulls and um, okay. I think they love the breed and um, and then uh, the name you'd have to ask Mike I'm not sure okay. where the name Lola came from. Okay, well she's a absolutely absolutely wonderful addition to the story. Just we I love it. Um, I agree. We're going to kick off with uh, just sort of some roundtable questions. Uh, Sharon's got the first one, and then we can each uh, just briefly give our input on the questions. So why don't you kick us off, Sharon? Okay. Um, so I love the format of going back and forth between the characters. I like how it kind of helped further the parallels that Conley was drawing between Bosch and Ballard throughout the book. Um, were there any moments when you turned the page and were, like, annoyed that it switched the perspectives or maybe, like, Allowed that you weren't happy that it quit. It made me just want to read faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, because you get to the end of something and then it would switch and it would be like, yeah. oh, wait, well, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. So, it was, yeah. I agree. And it was a little, I mean, I, I, I liked the format for sure, but the way you get to the end of a chapter and you're like, oh, cliffhanger, I got to keep going, it was, it made it even more compelling. Because it's like I gotta keep going, but now I gotta get this other part of the story before I get back to it. You know, so I mean, it really, you know, sucks you in. And one thing I loved in the epilogue when we heard, because I was listening on Audible, when we heard both um, Titus and Christine, who was you know, just the voice of Renee, actually hearing them talk back and forth just for the only time in the whole book, I thought that oh, was really yeah. a special treat um, for the reader listener you know at the end of the book so um what did you think of that back and forth Missy? you know i i i really appreciated in the audible um just having two different narrations i think it was great mm-hmm. i think christine was great i loved mm-hmm. her um her narration and how she um did the different characters and and uh, you can tell that she's really good at her job but what i mean just from sort of a Consultant perspective, or even a reader, what I mm-hmm. what I really loved about that different perspective perspective is you also get to see how different Bosch's job is from Ballard's night shift in that she still has to work these sort of you know day cases um, and try to keep her the cases that are near and dear to her, where Bosch is kind of just really involved in, in being an investigator, really involved in one or two cases. So I like how you can see the difference between um, how they do their work and their yeah. job. Yeah, that's, that's that's really good good input. I didn't really think about that, but it does really highlight their different sort of schedules and logistics of the way they, they operate. Well, well Sharon, you need to answer your – oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and also um, what what I love about that, which um, is so true to life, is that 
Hollywood during the day is mm -hmm. nothing like Hollywood during the night. So as a reader, you get to experience both. You get to ride along with Bosch sort of during the day, and then you get to experience Hollywood at night with Ballard, which I love. So you get yeah. that whole that whole perspective of yeah. what Hollywood is. Yeah. You get your 24 hours. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sharon, how would you answer your own question? I, I mean, I think really when I um, right when they were looking for Elizabeth and he called Cisco and he's like, "I'll meet you there." I'm like, okay, flip the page. Oh wait, oh no, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. <laughs> so that was just like, oh, one more chapter, one more chapter. Yeah, yeah, it definitely keeps you going. All right, and um, you have a question for the round table. Yeah, I um, I I I thought that bringing the, these two people together was or could have been a little risky and that I think that there are many similarities between Bosch and Ballard, um, and I think that that could have created more tension than collaboration. Um, and I, But at the same time, I sort of felt like, like this was sort of the work equivalent of finding your soulmate, because I really felt like they had a very similar approach, a very similar um, experience, coming up against the bureaucracy and fighting to sort of keep, um, you know, like a, like a moral center, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and I wondered, you know, if, if they both weren't feeling that they had sort of, um, they'd finally gotten to work with someone who really felt uh, and thinks very much like they each do. And, and I just, I just thought that there was, um, I just really like that that element there. Yeah. What do you think about that, Sharon? Yeah, I think it may definitely going through. They they were very similar, and as you're going through, you keep seeing that. But they definitely developed a respect for each other. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of at the beginning when um, Renee was like, "Oh, have I done a I've made a mistake by joining up with him?" Kind of right at the mm -hmm. beginning. But then they just it all kind of developed throughout really nicely. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 the way you mentioned, kind of like the work equivalent of finding your soulmate, it, it was interesting to kind of feel like maybe they were putting a mirror up to themselves sometimes by working with the other, yeah. like because they saw some of the same mm -hmm. qualities, and maybe sometimes it frustrated them. But they, you know, the other character does that too, you know. So it was a that I, I found that interesting. What about you, Missy? Did does that sound kind of on target with how you interpreted their relationship? Yeah, absolutely it did, and what I liked about that is as you got more towards the end of the book and into their relationship, to me it sort of felt like it took on this new sort of um, relationship where Bosch was what Ballard was sort of missing in a father figure, and mm -hmm. and and Ballard was what Bosch was sort of missing at, you know, like I don't want to say a daughter because he has Maddie, but just mm -hmm. he needed that. He needed that. He needed her in his life to sort of get him back on track because he's sort of you know he's much he's out of control. And I liked the way that they complemented each other and that relationship that hopefully will grow. I hope it continues to grow. Yeah, I I, I second that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of room there for some yeah. really mm -hmm. interesting development. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. It's a great a great setup for more and more and more. Okay, but I do have a question. 
for each of you. How do you think Renee decides when she will address the sexist comments or actions versus the time she chooses to ignore them? Do you think there's some sort of barometer or I, I don't know. So I have some ideas, but I want to know what you guys think. That's a really okay. interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have to, like, when I look at my own work experience, and I think as a woman, uh, a working woman, um, and it seems like no matter what profession you're in, um, you're always sort of butting up against, like, a, a male. There, there's a lot of male energy. And mm-hmm. you do kind of have to pick your battles and figure out, um, you know, when it's when you can sort of push and when you can't. Um, mm-hmm. And I think sometimes with Renee, um, I think I think it has a lot to do. Probably has a lot to do. At least I think it has a lot to do with what what her end game is in terms of like what she's trying to accomplish like if mm-hmm. she makes a fuss about something is it going to interfere with something related to a case that she's working on or or something she's trying to accomplish so i think there's a delicate balance there and it's mm-hmm. it's really kind of exa- can be really kind of exhausting yeah that was it that was kind of what i came up with in my mind that that maybe just as a thought that maybe it would have to do with safety and serving justice like she mm-hmm. seems to be able to put up with a lot, but she doesn't want to jeopardize something that's going to jeopardize her safety or right. someone else's safety, or like you said, you know, getting to solve the case and the you know, information that she she needs to get. But um, so those were a couple things I thought about. What about you, Sharon? Did you have any ideas? The same thing, and like you know, like with Dvorak, she she knew that was a losing battle. Anything with him, you mm-hmm. see his little smirks and things yeah. like that. Yeah, and and she just I don't she's just so minimalistic and everything and so she wasn't mm-hmm. going to create more problems for herself and so she just is just clever enough to figure out when to push it and when not to I think well okay. and I think that she has she already has you know she carries a reputation of having already caused trouble <laughs> right in, in that regard so I think you know she's people may approach her already sort of pre-judging you know, mm-hmm. what she's all about. So I think that makes it even harder for her. Yeah, the history that's there. All right, Mitzi, tell us, are we right or wrong? What do you think? <laughs> well, I think that you guys are, are on the on the, on a very um, well-laid path, and I do have insider information, so I have to plead the fifth on the question. <laughs> but you guys, but, but you guys are, are you guys are, you, you're, you're right there. Okay. Okay. We're we're okay. Good deal. Well, how about do you have any a uh, question for us at this point? Mitch, anything that's uh that you want to pick our brains about? It's more to do with sort of uh I guess um Michael's sort of projects on a whole and you know, the books mm-hmm. and um and the show. Do you find that um being a like a fan of Michael that you um that you're also interested in like listening to his podcast and to, and to watching the show and reading the books or, or is this um, group, are you more like readers and occasionally will, will, um, will delve into some of the other stuff? Well, I kind of, I, this is Tracy. And I take whatever I can get um, from, from Michael <laughs> so far, everything's been so, you know, 
at such a high standard that I want to try whatever's out there. Um, I, of course, you know, like I said, love the book and the show, and I love the differentiation between the two. Um, it keeps me engaged because I don't always know how the show is going to play out versus the books. Um, and mm-hmm. I have listened to the murder, his murder book podcast that started in January. Um, it also is very compelling, um, and it does sort of you drop at a certain point one week, and you have to wait the next week to get yeah. to it. So, yeah, he's got yeah. that going there. And, of course, I've heard your input on there, Mitzi. I, I am not as big a fan of or, or I don't have as big of an interest in true crime. So it's a little bit it's, – it's harder for me to listen, I think, sometimes to the podcast because it, I mean, it's just, it's sad, you know, yeah. Somewhat, yeah. you know, it becomes more real. And so, yeah, right. yeah. so that, yep. that's kind of my, you know, makes it a little bit harder for me, but what about you other ladies? Well, um, as, as, I mean, I, I love to read and I very often am very skeptical of books that, you know, go to movies or TV or whatever because I'm I'm almost always disappointed um, with how they translate. And you know, I I happened to watch the first episode of Bosch um, at my daughter's house. I was babysitting for my grandkids, and from like ten minutes in, it was like, oh my God, this guy Titus Welliver, he is Harry Bosch. I mean, <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> I was so, I can't even tell you how excited I was <laughs> to, at, at how well, the, at how well they transitioned from, mm-hmm. from the book to the, to the show. And, you know, I mean, I think I went home that night and did the Amazon Prime thing and went out the next day <laughs> on Fire Stick for the TV. That's and, awesome. Know, it was like, okay. And then, you know. My husband was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm watching another episode, you know. Well, are we going to have dinner, you know. So, <laughs> like, I'm all in. Yeah. yeah. And I, honestly, I don't know when Michael Connolly sleeps or eats because he just <laughs> seems like he's yeah. got so many things going on. And they're all he, good. He yeah, he is. Um, he has always got something going. He is a. I, I don't think I've ever met anybody that works harder than Michael. But he and I mean this in the best way, just from my the, the limited time I have talked to him and I actually got to meet him in February, which is amazing. He is so chill. And I mean that as a good thing. Yeah. He, just, he yeah. doesn't seem to get rattled. Yeah. And I'm sure that made him a great reporter and you know, his focus on all these projects, he just he just seems really, you know, Laid back, like intent. You see an intensity there, um, of course, because he's you know he's working so hard on all this stuff. But he just doesn't seem to get rattled, and that's really really impressive to me. But I hear that all the time, and about people saying he is Harry Bosch, and you know I agree too. But it's funny when I think about how in the books he's not always physically described, you know, like right. Titus. But it doesn't matter. It's like it doesn't matter at all. It's just that it, it's his embodiment of. Of Harry, and if he has yeah. a mustache or you know, so Sharon, did you have some some thoughts on Mickey's question? Well, as always, I agree with you, Tracy. I'll take anything, <laughs> everything, book or whatever. I, but funny, <laughs> I haven't done the podcast yet, and I think it's what you said as far as just mm-hmm. that's really real, and I just don't yeah. know. I don't know. I'm going to. Yeah. I will. Okay, yeah, <laughs> check it out. Oh, well, well, I think I, I, 
I started yeah, the podcast. I'm a little bit behind on the podcast, but I think mm-hmm. I think that what I see in the podcast that's maybe a little bit different from from the books is that there's so much more grit in the podcast. I mean, it's sure. mm-hmm. it is it's raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It is so real, and I think that um, there's so much about the way Michael writes these books that feel very real. But in contrast to to the real real, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's it's. Um, I mean, I I like it. I don't know, you know, maybe that's oh, cool. a little weird, but I like good. it. Yeah. Well, not to a homicide detective, it's not. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But, mm. Yeah, you find you find it compelling. You can you get interested in in learning how it all how it all translates. Um, all right, Sharon, you're up with a question. All right, so when you were reading, were you more concerned when Harry was captured or for when Renee was back in the back of the van? What what gave you more anxiety? Mm. What do you think, Anne? Well, that's a good question. I think I was a little more worried about Renee than I was about Harry, um, but I think because you know because they were kind of going back and forth with the storyline i think you were able to be concerned for both but maybe in different mm-hmm. ways but um i think i think renee's um situation had me a little bit more on the edge of my seat than than harry i just i don't know i, I don't okay. know why but i was i was actually kind of the reverse um and i think it's because with harry we, you know, he went home, he, you know, the door was open or something, right. was, you know, arrived, and then we don't hear anything else about him for a while. And then, you know, Renee's trying to call him, and he does appear to be missing. And so there's so much time that transpires in the book right. where we don't know where he is. We don't have any information. So that was stressful for me. And, of course, Renee's situation was was very stressful, but... We have so many opportunities through her her late show calls to she talks us through how she's going to approach this guy. She's going to use mm-hmm. his, you know his weight as an mm-hmm. advantage, and you know we see her come out of these impossible situations. So I have um, Renee's up there on a pedestal. I'm like she can handle it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm still nervous, but. But I'm, I, you know, I, I just, I, I draw from that that okay, she's gonna now she's gonna start telling us how she's gonna hide or do this or what, what you know, um, I just kind of had that expectation. Whereas with the Harry situation, I had, yeah, I just had no information for so long that I was sort of, um, just fluttering, you know. Somebody tell me something. <laughs> what, what do you think, Missy? You know, it's, it's hard for me because, um. By the time I get to, to, especially last year where Michael put out uh, two books, um, mm-hmm. I we we talk in advance, so right. I I, I kind of know that if the character is going to die or not. Sure, so sure. Um, <laughs> so it 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 takes away that level of suspense. So I can't remember either actually feeling that way for either of them. I think it's just because it was like a spoiler alert. You know, I just was more into the story and how Michael was going to wrap it all up. As far as his um, storytelling methods, do you think, if you didn't know those spoilers, do you think 
kind of like I was saying, uh, not, I'm not saying, do you think I'm right? <laughs> but, but do you think that makes a difference to readers, like not knowing any information versus, do you think any of that you know, methods make it? Yeah, I do. And it, 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 I do. And, and just listening to you guys, it's funny and sort of um, sometimes being in the writer's room or, or talking to Michael about his books and talking about Renee and what she does. And, and then to hear you guys sort of recap it, it's, it's fascinating to me because everything kind of that Michael talks about how he wants um, Renee or Harry to come across, you guys are pulling out like that sort of Renee being this badass and you just kind of saying like, I know Renee can take care of herself. So I wasn't really as concerned for her. And it's funny because when we're drawing the parallels and trying to make, you know, trying to think of ways to make, or Michael is trying to think of ways to make Renee so different than Harry. And that's one of the kind of things is she's just kind of like this loose sort of cannon that'll just go off mm-hmm. on you. And she can, you know, she's, she's grown up having to take care of herself from such a, a, a young age. And that's just the kind of cop she is, you know, it's nobody gets one yeah. off on her. So, yeah. so she's very it, scrappy. It's fasc- yeah. So it's fascinating that how that sort of translates perfectly to the reader. Yes, well done, Michael. <laughs> yeah. yeah what about you, Sharon? You got to break the tie because I said Harry and Anne said uh, Renee and Mitzi already knew. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and I mean, I really went back and forth with that one, but I think the bottom line, you know, Harry's Harry. He's going to be okay somehow. I don't know. Okay. I, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I if I had any if I had any fear for Harry versus Renee, it, it might have been the fact that Renee was dealing with, with somebody almost on a, like a, a mental level, like, like mm. whereas Harry mm-hmm. was just dealing with people who were cold-blooded murderers, you know, mm-hmm. who, who wouldn't, it, it wasn't a mental game with them. It was, it was okay. all just physical, mm-hmm. whereas I think with Renee, it, it really was more um, psychological and um, strategic. Um, so, it, okay. if anybody That's sees point. those differences, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you have a. Uh, what's your next question for us, Anne? Oh, I guess I do have the next question. Um, yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting that um, when Harry had the chance toward the end of the book to sort of engineer the retribution for mm-hmm. the murders. Um, he he couldn't see it all the way through. He couldn't mm-hmm. just say he couldn't just call up the guy and say, "Here's where you're going to find this." The guy that murdered you're his daughter. The father. Yeah, the yeah. father. And, he, yeah, mm-hmm. he had second thoughts about it, and you know, and I think that uh, I wondered what the chances were that someday, you know, Harry Harry would eventually break his own rules. Um, I personally don't think that that day will come, but he got really, really close this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Sharon? Yeah, that, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he definitely got close. I don't think he ever would cross the line as far as mm-hmm. that goes. I don't know. It's just with the whole everybody counts thing, like especially mm-hmm. at the end with Cortez where he, you know, he didn't kind of rub it in his face and say, hey, guys, right. he's on there as this mm-hmm. kid who was dying. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a good question. Though. 
Yeah, I think for me, I I don't I hope that I certainly hope he doesn't break them because we do think of him as this guy that will, like Renee said, you can bend the rules, but we can't break them. And sometimes he bends it really, you know, you're afraid it might yeah. pop, you know. And it is it is stressful because you don't want to see your hero do that. So, but I mean right. that that draws you into the story, and um, so it's, I mean it's definitely a great storytelling device. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to hold out and say, no, he's, I don't think he's ever going to break those, those, his own rules. So now Missy, I mean, we, obviously we're not looking for spoilers or anything, but just, do you have any thoughts <laughs> on that concept? Or, <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think, uh, it goes against who Harry is and like you brought up that everybody counts or nobody counts. And mm-hmm. I mean, not to say that if, if, not to say he wouldn't go there if it was Maddie or something, but uh, mm-hmm. but I think it would be something like that that would cause him to. But um, sure. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. How when you guys? Not that that's a spoiler out. alert. <laughs> no, 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 I know, I know. We're, we're Not that that's guys. coming up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just as I was re-listening, it just really when the um, Dylan says those 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 girls, you know they don't count those people don't count did you just not did everybody just feel like a fire in their belly like oh, oh yeah. everybody counts so, <laughs> so like you messed yeah. up now <laughs> yeah yeah yep. you're done so um well i was curious which of renee's late show calls intrigued you the most i'll just go ahead and say that the one i um i i was really just found really interesting and in the way she solved it was the was it jeremy prada and it was like he used prada but his real name was tyler and it was the wellness check, and um, right, and the the kid and the guy, the roommate actually had had murdered him with the and she found with the rug and just leaving her flashlight. Yeah. I just thought that was really, really some interesting storytelling. A little gruesome, yeah, I, but yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did one of those stand out to you, Sharon? I mean, I agree with that, and I like how she kind of finished that one to the end. She wanted to make sure, you know, everything yeah. was complete with that. But I, mm-hmm. I, I really, the one with the club where the kids were up on top, and oh, how yeah. that was able to bring, how that yeah. was able to bring in Wark and the helicopter, the pilot, and all that. That was just, I like right. that piece of it. Yeah, that was a great introduction to to is it is it O'Rourke or Rourke? Because I, when I'm listening, I can't tell. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I think it's work. Yeah, I think okay. it's yeah. yeah. Okay. Heather work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I hope we continue to see more of her. We've got a question about her coming up. If you have time, Mitzi, we have um, three sort of LAPD questions for you if you have the time. But we don't want to hold oh, sure. you up. Okay. No, sure. All right. So uh, I've got one. I, it, so this is our, you know, a real-life um, type question. What's the deal with Renee being without her <laughs> rover so often? Is this more of a plot device, you think, in the story, or something that, that really happens that you don't always have it with you? That, I mean, that you're not required to have it with you? Is it, do you have to have it, you know, certain time you have to get it charged? What, just sort of the logistics. Yeah. Uh, no, um, you're supposed to have it with you. Um, okay. <laughs> I, uh, in, in, in Renee's, in, and I say that because, have there been times that I have not had mine? <laughs> yeah. And when you need it and don't have it, it really uh-huh. sucks. And yeah. it's usually, it's usually the last time that will ever happen. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. It, it, 
but um, I think in Renee's case, she is not the type of person to not have her equipment. So um, okay. it's more it's more of a plot thing to okay. to sort of move the story along. Sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, Anne, you had one you were going to ask. Missy. Yeah, mine was um, how hard is it to be a woman in the LAPD? Um, because, uh, you know, just reading about Ballard's experiences that Michael writes about, which I, I think he he has to have a little bit of inside information to write what he has. Um, right. But, you know, I, I think there probably are more women on the force than ever, and they're probably being promoted up the ranks more than ever. But I just mm-hmm. wondered, you know, how, how difficult it is, even given that, that change is coming, but you know, how, how is it really? Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely, um, um, much better than it was when I came on the job 24 years ago, um, Mm -hmm. where it was just, the department was just sorting to sort of evolve and get away from that, that really just, um, macho culture and, um, and so, mm-hmm. so you know, so I did see a lot of that um, sort of behavior um, in my early years on the department, and it has it has gotten immensely better. Um, there's there's still issues. I mean, just like in any workplace, and um, right. and you're never going to weed all of that out. And you can. I, it's my my feeling is you can have all the training and all the um, you know sensitivity training and harassment training and computer training but a lot of times I think for the real sort of predator or harasser it just kind of mm. shows them it shows them how to get away with it like what they need to do not to get caught um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. so but but it but it's nowhere near I mean we are making great strides I I can't say that I haven't seen you know some of that culture still there but um, mm-hmm. but it, it's um you know, I haven't had a, a bad career, and and um, I've had some some male mentors that are responsible for for where I'm at now. You know, so mm-hmm. um, so I, I I owe and female both. So yeah. I owe a lot yeah. to those people, and I choose to just sort of not think about the ones that haven't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's encouraging. Sounds like we're moving in the right direction. Um, yeah. Okay, Sharon, what which real life questions did you want to ask Nancy? All right, so Renee, she has lots of the connections and relationships in the book that she fosters and it they serve her really well and they really make things interesting, like we were talking before with Bork and the helicopter and how that all worked together. So is her take on this unique or is that something you do see and, and are able to utilize in law enforcement? Oh, it's it's um I I don't think that you can be an effective detective if you didn't cultivate those relationships with other detectives and other entities. Um, I know in the late show, um, I believe it was in the late show where um, Renee has that um, unique relationship with the parole officer when they, when they get nettled and they do all that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that was based on a relationship that I had with a parole officer. I didn't sleep with okay. him like she did this book. But, yeah. um, but, but, but just having that sort of relationship where if yeah. I had a parolee in the middle of the night, 
I could call him and I knew he was going to come and help me violate that. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, with the helicopter pilot, I, it's funny because um, Heather Rourke's character is actually based on a real helicopter um, um what do they call her? She's not the pilot, but she's the um, spotter or spotter. Yeah, I got. She has a she has a name. I just it's oh, escaping oh, me okay. now. But but okay. um but you know she took Michael on up on up in the helicopter quite a few mm-hmm. times, and he knows all about that helicopter and how it works. And so mm-hmm. I think you'll I think you'll see more of of Heather work for sure. Okay, Good. I hope so. That's yeah, awesome. that's been a really cool part of the story. Yeah. All right, well, the last time, um, ladies, the last time I talked to Mitzi, she was disappointed that I didn't have our famous game ready for her, and, uh, and Tim was with her. Well, Tim's not here, but we're going to play the game with you, Mitzi, and uh, okay. he's, he's, gonna, he's actually going to kind of be involved, so let me just uh, set this up for you. Um, your choices for your scenarios are going to be your partner, Tim Marsha, okay. or... Titus Welliver or Michael Conley. So say they're having like a consultant's meeting in the writer's room. They've pulled in some actors. You know, Titus is going to be there, and you and Tim are going to be there. Of course, Michael's going to be there. Um, You get to pick who brings the snacks into the writer's room. Will it be Tim, Titus, or Michael? Whew. Um. It depends on the snack. For really high quality, for really high quality snacks, I'm going with Michael. For your classic okay. everyday bag of 7-Eleven junk food, I'm going with Tim. <laughs> okay. Would Would any of those bring your fave tacos? You think, or any of those taco fans? Um, I, you know, it might be a special request, but Tim Tim might bring tacos. I okay. can see him okay. bringing. They might be Taco Bell, but a taco is a taco. <laughs> You're painting a very interesting picture. Of okay. Um, okay. This is a, a scenario. You you have to go on a road trip to pick up a family heirloom. So you you, you need someone. It's going to kind of large. So maybe it's furniture or something. You're going to bring one of these guys along with you. It's sort of unfamiliar territory. So gonna they're going to help with navigation. So we're we're trying to figure out who's going to ride shotgun. But the caveat is whoever rides shotgun. Um, get to be in charge of the music in the car on the whole trip. Oh, that's that. a tough one. Tim, Tim Titus, or Michael? Uh, so they have to be good at navigation and choose the music, or just choose the <laughs> I mean, I guess, it, I guess it depends on your priorities. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's perfect. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, God, I would have a hard time choosing between Michael and Titus on that. Um, they okay. both have... I guess it depends whether I want what kind of music I prefer to listen to, jazz okay. or um and, and Titus has got like a huge playlist. I would okay. probably give the edge to Titus only because okay. he his playlist is immense. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. That's good info. All right, so Titus, since he got selected for that job, you need a pet sitter behind while you're you're on this road trip. So that leaves you Tim or Michael to uh, be your pet sitter while you're gone. Tim, I wouldn't do that to Michael. I wouldn't leave my three Dobermans with Michael. <laughs> 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 <Not> that, uh, <laughs> just because 
because I I wouldn't do that to I I'm okay doing that to Tim, but I can't do that to Michael. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, Tim sounds very reliable, and uh, he, he is. Like he's, he's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. So, well, yeah. we'll get him on hopefully on the podcast again, so he can uh, give his input on some crazy scenarios as well. But uh, this was a lot of fun, um, very insightful, um, just learning from each other as readers. And then, of course, your, you know, your extra specific insights, Mitzi. Uh, so thank you all, first of all, for yeah, participating. And, um, you know, there's another Bosch and Ballard book coming out. It's on the horizon, so we'll have to wait a while. But, you know, maybe we can do this again. But, um, and Mickey, and Mickey Heller. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot that. Yeah, he's in there too. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm getting even more excited. So, But I'm also very excited about April 19th when we all get to enjoy season five of Bosch. I don't know, um, Sharon, Anne, are you bingers or do you spread it out watching the show? I try well, to spread it out, but it never happens. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only, the, the only way I can ever spread it out is if I don't start watching until late in the evening because then I can say, oh, I have to go to bed. I have to go to bed. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. That's, a strategy. That's a strategy for you, Sharon. Just start watching the way, the, But the way Amazon gets you is uh-huh. the episodes just roll, right? You know, uh-huh. just, oh, you know so yeah. it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll just watch 10 minutes of this. Oh, well, maybe I'll just watch, you know, and it's then like, it's like a whole episode. And three episodes later, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, it's 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. It's like it's like turning the pages in the book. You just, you know, one more one more page, one more chapter. But um, any closing comments from you, Mitzi? Um, we're just we're so grateful to have you on. No, I'm just, um, I'm I'm thrilled to be on, and I know, uh, I know I, I, we go back and forth on Twitter, so it's, it's yeah. fun to kind of get to talk to you guys and, um, yeah. you, um, you know, and, and just, um, and I'll let Michael know how much, uh, how big of fans you are and how much you're enjoying, uh, the books and the series. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's been great. All right, ladies. Well, thanks for a, a lovely evening and great conversation and, uh, we'll see you guys on Twitter. All, All right. Great. Thank thanks you so much. Okay. All right. Bye, bye guys. Bye. Bye.